Christ is risen. Alleluia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from our gospel reading from the 10th chapter of St. John with an emphasis on these words. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I remember one day, it doesn't feel like quite so long ago, but I guess now it is, but I was in college, and I experienced one of those nightmare scenarios that just sort of come along and set aside all of your plans for the day. I lost my wallet. I had been out with friends during the day. I remembered having it with me in the morning when we left the apartment, and now it was evening, and everything in the town, the sleepy town of Defiance, Ohio, was starting to close up shop. So I prepared myself for the next day's arduous task of retracing my steps and searching up and down by making a list of all the places that I had been where I could have possibly left it. There's the student union, the mall, a hiking trail. Well, the next morning I went out and began this search. This was unfortunately before the, the great days that we experience now of air tags and smartphones. So I couldn't just ping my wallet and see exactly where it was, I went from place to place asking if it had turned up, if anyone had seen this missing wallet. But fortunately, my search was not overly prolonged, for we had lunch at an Arby's the day before, and I guess it must have fallen out of my pocket and been left in one of the dining booths in the restaurant, and someone graciously turned it back into the management. However, my rejoicing was somewhat short-lived. As I opened up my wallet, glanced inside, I noticed that the 15 or 20 bucks that I had been carrying with me were conspicuously absent from the wallet's contents, and so I started to panic. I leafed through to see what else was missing, debit cards, student ID, driver's license, all seemed to be accounted for. This was apparently a very pragmatic thief, and he only took what he knew could not be traced directly back from me to him, and that was the cash. But... Though at the time I was but a poor college student, I decided that all things considered, the loss of $15 and some change was an acceptable loss in the grand scheme of things, and I moved on. As adults, we constantly deal with such acceptable losses. Anyone who has ever pulled out of a bad investment or bargained with an insurance company or even had to throw out a spoiled piece of fruit, you are all familiar with the concept. If we're able to keep most of what is ours, then we're generally satisfied so long as we're able to minimize the collateral damage. The result of this is that we, as sinners, constantly are conditioned to think in terms of collateral, what we can afford to lose versus what we absolutely must retain. For instance, your bicycle at home is probably not as valuable as your car. Your car, meanwhile, is not as valuable as your home. And your home certainly is not as valuable as the people who live in that home. You see what I mean? Yeah. But because we're sinners, we tend to take this conditioning a bit too far, and we don't just apply it to our earthly possessions. No, no, we 
We apply it to people, too. Your wage workers, for instance, they are not seen as quite as valuable as your salaried staff. And in turn, these salaried staff are not as valuable as your executives or your board of directors. I wish I could tell you that this is just true in the workplace, but sadly, not so. For the sick, the poor, those too young or too old to contribute in any way to society, a flawed premise to begin with, I know, but hear me out, these are the ones who the world holds to be of less value. And consequently, when we experience famines, calamities, or economic hardships, these are usually the first ones to suffer, or they suffer more greatly, because they are seen as generally less valuable to our world. And the world holds that their loss is more acceptable than those that we, care, that we hold to be in higher esteem. It should not surprise any of you to hear your pastor say that this is not a good Christian outlook. But moreover, I tell you that it is also bad stewardship over what God has placed in our care. Today is Good Shepherd Sunday, as many of you noticed, a day in the church year where we ponder the grace of our Lord Jesus, our shepherd, as he tends to his flock, the church. This year's Good Shepherd passage from John chapter 10 is perhaps a little bit less familiar to some of us than some of the more famous or well-known passages which follow this motif, but it is nonetheless pivotal to our understanding of his care. Here in John 10, our pericope opens up right after probably the most famous Good Shepherd passage from verses 14 and 15. Here, Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. These words serve to set the foundation, the bedrock, for our understanding of who Jesus is as our good shepherd. Namely, that he does what no other shepherd would do. He lays down his life for the sheep. If you actually have ever paused to consider what Jesus is saying in this passage, then I'd be willing to bet that you might have been tempted to fall back into thinking about his words in those old terms of collateral or acceptable losses. Certainly, the lives of a few sheep, we would say, are not as valuable as the life of the shepherd. Indeed, if the shepherd loses his life, then the rest of the sheep are left aimless, without someone to provide for or protect them. What shepherd, then, in his right mind, would take such a loss for the sake of but a few stupid, straying sheep? The answer to that, of course, is the good shepherd. And that's why today's reading from the second half of St. John chapter 10 is so important for us to understand. For a shepherd is a servant of the master's house. A shepherd tends the sheep on behalf of their owner, and it is his responsibility to make sure that the master's property is secure. The hired hand, whom Jesus also references, sees to it that perhaps the master's losses are kept to a minimum. An adequate shepherd might see that the sheep are generally well cared for and taken care of. But the good shepherd, what distinguishes him? 
The good shepherd is vested in the master's house. He tends to his sheep so that they know him and trust him and follow him. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Good Shepherd and the Father are united in the purpose of caring for the sheep. Therefore, we are, all of us, sheep in God the Father's pasture. He created us, He established us, and He provides for all of our needs of body and soul. The whole world is the Father's estate, and we who are unworthy are given it for our dwelling and for our inheritance. This is what it means to be of the good shepherd's fold. Not that we distinguish ourselves among the other sheep as somehow being more valuable, but rather that we hear the voice of the Father's Son, Christ Jesus our Lord, and follow him. It's ironic then that this passage has oftentimes served to fan the flames of heresy in the history of the Christian church and has been a rallying point for those who would falsely teach concerning the doctrine of predestination that God has chosen some to inherit eternal life and others to be eternally damned, those who are outside his fold. Now, though I have not heard this heresy professed among anyone sitting here in this congregation, still I tell you that I have observed and if I'm being honest, I have been guilty of the false division among God's sheep. What do I mean? Well, be honest with yourselves for a moment this morning. Who would you say are the most valuable sheep in the flock of our congregation here in Bloomington, Indiana, in Faith Lutheran Church? Is it not those who come every week, those who tithe regularly, those who give of their time in service to the various ministries that take place here? Well, and if not them, then perhaps those who are fairly regular in worship, those who we see on more than one or two occasions, followed by those we only see occasionally. And then at the bottom of this list, we might say, well, what about those who refuse to be a part of worship and fellowship? Surely our regular attendees are more valuable than they. Friends, ask yourselves, who is it that is more valuable to you and why? Who ought we to invest our time and our effort into? Certainly those who are more valuable, those who we will see a greater return from. That's the pragmatic answer, isn't it? And what about those outside of the church? Surely they are unfortunate losses, But do we not view the loss of but a few as acceptable in the big picture? Ah, but friends, we forget. We are not the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And on Calvary's cross, the good shepherd laid down his life to atone for the sins of not just a few, but for all mankind. Not only some, not only the valuable, but for all people. 
And this good shepherd, he lays down his life so that he might take it up again, rising in victory on Easter Sunday to secure for his kingdom life everlasting. He gives the gift of immortality to lost and foolish sheep like you and I. Moreover, the good shepherd does not leave us alone, but he appoints under shepherds to care for the needs of his flock the world over. Remember the words that he spoke to Simon Peter last week in the gospel that Pastor Edwards preached on. What did he say to him? Simon Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then do what? Feed my sheep. All of this the good shepherd does, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, because he is what we are not. He is the perfect steward over that which the Father has given him. People are not collateral to Jesus. And no loss is acceptable to him, or he would not have laid down his life for them on the cross. Therefore, when he sends out his lambs in the midst of wolves, who is it that we are sent to? Those most valuable people that we talked about? The wealthy and the wives? The wise? Those who we are to most likely see a good return from? The healthy? The vigorous? The amiable people who would serve well in the congregation? I tell you, not just them, but also the stubborn and the foolish, the sick and the lame, the aged, the unborn, and the lost. These two are earnestly desired by your good shepherd. He calls them by name. He lays down his life for them. All of them, their loss is unacceptable to him. And so his flock, the church, needs seek them out so that they too might hear his voice and enter into his fold. For God is gracious and merciful. He loves all that he has created, even those most vulnerable, even those who oftentimes refuse him and try to go their own way. It's for this reason that he spoke to the prophet Ezekiel. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked, says the Lord your God? No. Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? To this end, he sends out his church to all nations. He calls the lost and the wandering to repent and to return to the good shepherd's flock that they too might take rest in his pleasant pastures, that they too might drink of the cool waters and so be restored. I give them eternal life, says the Christ, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You see what the shepherd is saying? There are no acceptable losses to him. He is not willing to surrender even one part of his inheritance over to death. And so, do not be deceived, O little flock, and think that this good shepherd passage is only for the comfort of you who are already firmly in the fold. Rather, I encourage you, hear the voice of your Lord Jesus Christ, your shepherd, who calls you to reach those who are outside of this flock. I want to include, conclude our time today in meditation with, with a simple exercise. And don't worry, it's nothing too tricky. I, I want you all to take a moment, grab a pen or a pencil. Go, go ahead and go through your purses or, or look at the end of your pews. 
Grab that writing utensil, and I want you to take your bulletins or a piece of paper and write down the name of just one person who you can think of that you might be tempted to think of as an acceptable loss. Go ahead and just take a moment. This may be a family member, a a, a distant relation, a casual acquaintance at work or at school, someone who might be kind of difficult to deal with or to approach, someone who is sick or poor or outcast or forgotten. Write their name down and commit the name of this person to your prayers today. And then I want you to make an honest effort to reach out to them and to befriend them. Go ahead and do this now. As you do so, think also on those others whom you know, those who so desperately need to hear the voice of their shepherd, those who are despised and viewed as less valuable by our world. For Christ has called you, his flock, to feed them, to call on them, to love them in his most holy name, that they might no longer be lost or straying, but they would hear his voice and share in his comfort, even unto life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our good shepherd. Amen.